freaking me out. All right, guys. Uh, I know that it's lame to say this 13 days into the new year, but happy new year. Haven't seen you guys in so long. Excited to be back here at SM Night. And we're going to be starting a new series that'll take us up till the winter retreat. So we got three SM Nights until the winter retreat. Hopefully, uh, Brett, I assume, gave you the spiel. Obviously, I wasn't in here. But we would love to have as many as you, of you on that trip as we can. If you need help, we've got scholarship money out the wazoo. I would love to give it to you so that you can come on the trip with us. Um, so that's all I'll say about winter retreat, that trip. Uh, another trip that I've been thinking about recently uh, as I was looking at this new series that we're getting into uh, to kick off January here that I took a long time ago as I took a trip to Universal Studios. Has anybody been to Universal Studios before? They got a lot of cool stuff. Harry, that's one of the main attractions at, at, uh, at Universal. One of the reasons I went, Harry Potter World, when I graduated from high school, I got to pick the family vacation for that summer, and I was like, let's go to Harry Potter World for a week. And my mom was like, two days, and then that's it. And then we can do some other stuff down in Orlando. And so we were down at Universal, and my brother, uh, he's not here tonight, but Parker, a lot, some of you may have seen him around, leads the sixth grade boys. Parker loves roller coasters, okay? The rest of us do not ride roller coasters. So you got Parker, roller coaster, fiend. Me, my brother, my mom, my dad, no, 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 no roller coasters. So for years... My dad would be the one who took the bullet, even though he'd get sick every time. He'd get on the roller coaster with Parker. For years, Parker would just, we'd make him ride it by himself, because nobody wanted to just suck it up and get on the coaster with him. But at Universal, everyone was a little bit older. We settled it the old-fashioned way. Who had to ride the roller coaster with Parker? We played rock, paper, scissors. And just like, just like here. We, I do that in my own life. I play rock, paper, scissors to solve problems. And I played rock, paper, scissors. My mom beat me. My dad beat my brother. So it's me and my other brother. We're playing. I lose. I am a loser. I have to go on this roller coaster with Parker. And it's not just any roller coaster. This roller coaster is themed after the strongest Avenger, the Incredible Hulk. Okay? <laughs> I know. It's, a, it's just a joke because of, of the movie. Um, you guys seen Ragnarok? Come on. Thor Ragnarok? That's the joke. All right, Max. Anyway, so this is a thing that exists that people do for fun. And this is the thing that Parker was trying to make me go on with him. And I did not want to. We got the, to the line it's like an hour and a half wait. I'm like, you don't want to wait an hour and a half for this, do you? He's like, oh, yes, I do. And so we're walking through the line. Every step we take closer, my head just sinks lower and lower. i am just this, got the sad walk of like, like I'm on death row or something. Like this is going to end me. I don't think I can handle it. And yet, we're like 25 people from the front of the line. And I look up, and what do I see? But a person in a big security people surrounding these people, this person. And I look and I see the person who saved my life that day in Universal, Ellen DeGeneres. Okay? 
I don't know if you know, she's a talk show host, and Usher. Usher was there too. And at the, like, 15 minutes before I was going to have to go on this Incredible Hulk roller coaster, I look up out of my despair and I see Ellen and Usher and cameras and the security team. And then a guy from the ride comes out and it says, folks, we're shutting down the roller coaster for three hours because Ellen is filming something for her TV show with Usher. You can stay here and watch, but no one's riding for three hours. And I said, woohoo, let's get out of here. And we got out of the line, went back to, I assume, Harry Potter world. Why else, where else would, could we have gone? But the point of this is not that Ellen saved my life, but she did. Let's not be, let's not, let's not get it twisted. Ellen saved my life. But what? I didn't, I should have. We did watch the episode, though, that had the video, trying to see if we were in the background. We weren't, it was sad. Um, but the reason I, I'm mentioning this is because this series that we are going we are going to be looking at is centered on this idea of looking up. It's that idea of so often we're, we're not looking where we're supposed to. We're looking down out of despair like I was in the line. We're looking in all these different directions. And, and in the book of Luke, where we're going to be in, there's a lot of examples. We're going to focus in on three uh, of Jesus uh, talking about directly looking up or in an, as an example, looking up to the heavens. And, and we'll talk about what that means as we go through, but then we're going to look at three different times in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this week we're going to focus at the beginning at Jesus' baptism. Next week we'll look, or in two weeks, we'll look at uh, Jesus' death. And then finally we'll look at his resurrection and ascension. And it's not just those times in the Gospel of Luke where they are looking up. It's a theme that Luke puts in throughout his entire gospel, uh, during, uh, he's giving, he's talking to a huge crowd and they're up on a mountain, okay, so the crowd is naturally looking up at Jesus. Jesus looks up to the heavens before he feeds the 5,000. Jesus is constantly in uh, chapter 6, chapter 9, chapter 18 going up on the mountain to pray. He's looking up to the heavens. And we'll see in this story, uh, the beginning of Luke chapter 3, um, where Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, we're going to see uh, this example of, of turning our eyes upward and, and what that means for us. And then we're also, because this is the first week, going to look at some of the places we look when we're not turning our eyes upward. And so uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 15 through 22. So people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, John the Baptist, whether he might be Christ. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable, unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. So you have John, he's baptizing people. They think maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe he's the Christ. He's like, no, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming, who is going to baptize you with so much more. And then Herod, he's mad about it, obviously. Skip ahead a couple of verses. And down to 21. Now when all the people were baptized, so there's a big group of people. John's been baptizing them. And when Jesus also had been baptized... And was praying. The heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended onto him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my beloved Son, with you 
I am well pleased. And so, right here, you, we, we studied during Advent, Luke chapter 1, where we had Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist was their son and he was kind of foretelling Jesus who was to come. We saw Mary and Joseph and the birth narrative of Jesus coming into the world. In chapter 2, Luke moves directly from that into telling about childhood, a childhood story of Jesus. Kind of what happens post-birth. There's one little detailed story of Jesus in the temple when he's about 12, 13 years old. And then after that, we get into chapter 3, telling you about what John's been up to since we heard about him in chapter 1. And finally getting to this part where we kick off Jesus' earthly mission, where Luke's going to write about Jesus' life up until death, resurrection, and ascension. And we see... This part where John is baptizing people, Jesus gets baptized, and Luke wants you to know, not only did I tell you in chapter 1 with the whole Zechariah lead up into Jesus' birth, not only have I told you over and over again that Jesus is special, that something is going on here, now we're going to confirm it in chapter 3 when Jesus is baptized, and we see that the Spirit is there bodily like a dove. We hear the Father speak from heaven, and, both, and Jesus is the Son. All three pieces of the Trinity here at the beginning of Jesus' earthly mission. Luke showing us, reinforcing to us that Jesus was the Son of God. And then right after the next verse, he goes into a genealogy of Jesus, uh, linking him through the bloodline, right, to David. So he's showing us here at the beginning of the story of all that Jesus is going to teach and show and do. All of the miracles, all of the incredible uh, uh, teachings, all of the things that he has to share with us. We're reinforcing here in Luke's gospel, Jesus is the son of God 100%. He is a piece of the Trinity, right? But he is also the son of man, 100% God, 100% man. It's the first time in Luke's gospel that, that we have a, a, a scenario where people are looking up, right? The, the spirit descends from heaven. The voice of God comes down from the heavens, naturally leading us to believe that if you were going to see these things and hear these things, you would be looking up. You would be looking up to the heavens. And, and we're going to talk about looking up. But before we do, I want to look at some of the places that we end up looking before we look up, or rather instead of where we look up. So the first place where we might be looking that's not up to Jesus is back, right? We can be looking back at our past, the sometimes focusing solely on the sins that we may or may not have committed in the past. And Luke, Luke's gospel is so good because it's so comprehensive. It all fits together so well. What he sets up in chapter 3 comes back in chapter 18, uh, and, and Luke's got a ton of, of stories and situations that happened it, to and around Jesus uh, and the people he interacted with. And so in Luke 18, uh, we see Jesus come and meet uh, two people. And, and we see this idea of looking back at what they had done, kind of the two different paths that you can take. And so in Luke 18, uh, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, 
Pharisee said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here next to me. Kind of rude, I think. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, that guy right there, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. The tax collector would not lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So you see these two people, right? You, uh, the obvious one is the tax collector. Cannot bring himself to lift his eyes to the heavens. Cannot think about looking up at God because of, he knows what he has done. He's too busy looking back at the sins of his past. But the, the, that's the easy one. That's the one that makes sense. That's the obvious. We're looking at the past when we could be looking up. But the, ta- the Pharisee is actually an interesting one. I think this one probably crops up more than we'd realize. So the Pharisee, he's, he's focused on his past just as much, it maybe, even if, uh, maybe even more than the tax collector. But he's, he's so ashamed. He's so focused on what happened back then that he's just trying anything he can do to push blame on somebody else, to make himself feel better. He's like, at least I didn't do this stuff like that guy over there. At least I'm a Pharisee trying to, you know, I go, to, I go to church, I show up, I do the right stuff that everybody sees. At least I'm not like them. Both of these people in the story are focused on looking back at their past sins. And I think that this is not as black and white as you can never think about the things that you've done, right? It's going to happen to us and as we look to the example of the tax collector, right, we need mercy, we need forgiveness. And one of, the best, one of the only ways to really come to that conclusion is to look at some of the things in our past, is to look back. But we can focus so heavily on them. We can be consumed on every sin, every wrong, every single thing in our lives that we have done that we cannot fathom moving forward into the forgiveness that Jesus promises. We cannot even imagine. It's almost easier to keep looking back in our lives. It's safer to just pity ourselves, to dwell in the despair of it's over, it's done, there's nothing we can do than to look up at Jesus, to look forward towards the promise that he brings. We get stuck looking back. The second place where we are looking where maybe we shouldn't be is around. So we look back and we look around. We get caught up in the world and all the goings-ons, all of the things that fill in the time between when you were last here and when you will be here next, the last time you thought about God and the next time you thought about God. There's, I, and we're not all thinking about God and praying every second of every day. I work here and I'm not doing it. I know that we all have things to work on. I know that we're not all perfect. There are other things that we consume that fill our time. We are looking around at the world. And we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? There, there, people, the, the Samaritan helps the man on the side of the road. He takes him to the inn. He pays for it. He helps him out. And, and I think the two people in the beginning of that, in that story who walk by, there's a priest and a Levite. And they, and they walk by the man on the side of the road in that parable that Jesus tells. And I think it's interesting to think about kind of the, the why they might do that. Right, The priest and the Levite, both religious men, both people who you would think are out to, to help people. And they're coming, uh, Jerusalem is one of the places, it's, uh, it's elevated, right? So they always talk about going up 
to Jerusalem. So in that story, they're coming down from Jerusalem. Their time in the temple is over. They are done. Technically, I don't know if they have any work they need to be doing, but they are so consumed with the optics, with maybe where they're heading, maybe where they just came from. Maybe they're like, I'm too tired to handle this. Maybe they're like, I, I don't want to get involved in that guy's troubles. I've got troubles enough of my own. They're so caught up with themselves, with the world around them that they can't think about helping someone else that maybe God has placed this man on the side of the road for them to help, for them to act out their faith in him. And again, we need to know what's going on in the world. We need to look around. We need to be aware of the things that are happening to us and around us, right? But when we focus on looking around at all the terrible things going on, maybe that's where you're focusing uh, you know, there's a lot of terrible things going on in the world right now. You got COVID, there's a lot of mental health crisis, school shootings, it goes on and on and on and on. There's so many bad things in the world that we could be focusing on and looking around at. Or maybe it's other things to distract from those things, right? We could get so deep into looking around at sports, movies, TV. I, I know I'm a person, I get sucked into to reading and watching movies. Like, it's an easy way to not focus on everything that's going on around you. We get stuck looking around and we forget to look up at Jesus. And the third, the third thing, the third way that we look, uh, that we get stuck on is ahead, right? Where we get anxious and afraid about what is to come in the future. And, yep, great. And there's a story in Luke 18 just after the, the tax collector story we read where Jesus encounters this guy. He's, called, he's, just, known, he's just called the rich ruler, Right? He's just called the rich ruler. And he asked him a question, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he's even thinking along the right tracks. He's worried about his eternal future. Not even just his, his, his practical, like, rest of his, his ethereal life on earth, right? He's like, inherit eternal life. And Jesus gets to the, he says, you know, some, you know these commandments, do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your mother and father. And he says, all these I have kept for my youth. This guy's looking great. He's rich and he follows the rules. He's doing, so, he's doing pretty good. Jesus heard him say this and he said to him, one thing you still lack, see that all you have and distribute, sell all you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. And now when we read this, sometimes people can freak out, sell all I have, I don't even have that much. But ultimately what Jesus is saying here is focusing on that last part, come, follow me. He can see that this guy is still so distracted by, by acquiring this wealth, probably since he's so worried about his future, to set himself up for the rest of his lives. There's another story about a guy who tears down his barns of storage uh, to, of crops and everything he owns to build new barns. He, he literally gets rid of his savings to build bigger things to save up and he ultimately dies in that in that story because he was so focused on what was to come that he wasn't focusing on what was happening around him and again you need to be somewhat concerned about what's coming in your future right like we want to be responsible we want to set ourselves up for later on in life for a lot of you that next big thing that's going to be coming is college and then as an old person, right, I've officially, I'm officially old, I've, I've decided. I don't think I was a week ago, but now I'm old, I feel old. And as an old person, like, believe me, you get into college, and about every two years, 
there's a new thing that you is so it was once was a distant like prepare for the future thing that you really never thought about and then one day you wake up and you're like holy crap that's a problem that like actually applies to me now so you go to college and then you go to college so you can hopefully get a job and you get a job so that you can make money and maybe have a family and then maybe buy a house and then maybe have some kids and then you have to worry about getting those kids into college and paying for it and then you have to have re- money to retire it's insane how the things that we are told and shoved down our throats that we have to worry about, that we have to have just so in order to have, be set for our future, to not have any anxiety or fear. And none of that means anything to you right now. I know that. The next big thing is college. But believe me, like, it comes very quickly down the line. Um, we make plans. We try to do it ourselves. And then one of two things happens, right? We're devastated when it doesn't work out. And sometimes we'll blame God. Sometimes we'll blame God. We, we tried to do all these things. We tried to prepare ourselves and it didn't work out the way we wanted and we blame God. Or, maybe worse, we think that because it worked out, we did it all ourselves. We forget about God. We're stuck looking ahead. We're so worried about and afraid about our future that we forget to live in the now, to look up to Jesus in every moment. We look back, we look around, we look ahead when we need to look up. And in that first story, we looked at Jesus' baptism. Jesus looks up, right? Jesus looks up in chapter 3 as the Spirit descends. God's talking to him from the heavens, saying, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And there are two things that happen right before, two things that happen right before he looks up. Uh, If you can go to that next verse slide. So Jesus had been baptized, and he was praying, and then the heavens were opened. Right, And so baptism here, uh, representing this public uh, profession of an internal private faith, right? Uh, everyone here, not everyone here has been baptized. Not everyone here, like I'm not standing up here saying like, you better get baptized or you'll never be able to metaphorically look up. That's what Nick told me tonight. That's not what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying is that the, in this I'm representative of just the idea of faith. Right? This could look like a big step in a lot of different ways in our lives. This could be just some sort of action that's moving our faith forward, that's moving it to a place of declaring, of firmly solidifying in our lives this faith that we say that we have. Maybe it's reading the Bible for the first time. Maybe it's just committing to learn more about who Jesus is. Maybe it's committing to actions, small actions that we're, that we're rolling into our everyday lives. And the second thing he does is prayer, which is one of those actions that that we need every day, right? Prayer is just communicating with God, the God that we have faith in, right? Constantly in all situations, we all will look back, we'll all look around and look ahead. And that's fine as long as we remember to look up at Jesus who came to earth, who got baptized, who lived, died, was resurrected and ascended for us so that we'd be able to look up and be in relationship with him knowing that he's right there looking back at us. And I'm really excited to keep diving into this idea it's that's scattered throughout the Gospel of Luke uh, through these next few weeks. Uh, I would love to pray for us, and then we can split up into small groups. Uh, if your leader is not here, we will combine or, or cover uh, as best we can. But let me pray for us real fast. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much 
for coming to earth for us. God, we know that in our lives we can get stuck. Looking back at the, at the sins of our past, we can focus on them so much. We can get caught up in what's going on in the world around us and in the world to us. We can focus on that so much. And God, we know that so often we are frozen by the fear of what is to come in the future. The anxiety that builds up within us about the unknown of the future can be, can be so much that it just freezes us, that it locks our gaze on it. But we know that, that in every situation, that in everything, you are at work. And that we must just lift our eyes to, to see you in that situation. God, be with each and every person in here as, as we break to talk about you, to talk about your role in our lives and how we can better come to know you and build our relationship with you. God, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. 